Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. So Lazarus has died, and then Jesus had raised him from the dead. Jesus was in Bethany, and as he was in Bethany, they were having a supper, and Lazarus was sitting at the table eating with him. Now, the next uh, verse, uh, verse 9, let's read it together. Now, now a great many of the Jews knew that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So notice this, the Jews came to Bethany. They came to where Jesus was, but they did not only come for Jesus, but they came to see Lazarus whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So notice this. They came to see the evidence. They came, would you say that with me? They came to see the evidence. They came to see some evidence. And uh, the next verse, let's read it together now. But the chief priests plotted to put Lazarus to death also because on account of him, Many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. So notice this. They came to see the evidence. But the chief priest plotted because those that saw the evidence believed on Jesus. And so what was the chief priest trying to do? He wanted to destroy the evidence. And that's what the enemy desires to do in your life. That's what he desires to do today. He wants to destroy the evidence. But God has a plan for his people. And um, the question that we've got to ask ourselves is that how can we make sure that we can present evidence When people that do not know him need to know him. How can we, uh, you know, someone may ask you a question. Maybe they're experiencing something in their lives. And they may ask you uh, a question. And you may not know all about the Bible. You may not know how to answer all the questions that are in the Bible. But they may ask you some questions. And and, and Peter wrote about this in 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 15. And, and Peter wrote, he says, what, what I want you to do is, he says that I want you to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason of the hope that you have. And so he says that uh, every person should be able, prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks them the reason for why they have hope. Give an answer for the reason that you have hope. You know, all of us as a Christ follower, if someone asks you, why do you believe in Jesus? You know, uh, we could, if we had time, could come up with an answer. But the challenge is, is that there are times when you don't have an answer. You know how they tell you if you've got a business idea and you get caught into the, in the elevator with someone, do you have your elevator pitch? Or can you give them the 30 seconds or 45 seconds 
so that they can get the fullness of it. And then you practice your elevator pitch so that you can persuade or convince them that you are, your idea that you have is a good one. And so notice this. So this is what I'm talking about this morning is that uh, you may not have a lot of time. And so, so when someone asks you a question, sometimes it'll stump you if you don't know how to respond at that particular time. But given time, you'll come up with an answer that's pretty good. So the question is that how do you share your faith when you don't have a lot of time? How do you give an answer for your hope? How do you give an answer? He says, be what? Prepared. He says, be what? Prepared. He says, be what? Be prepared. Now to prepare, that means that before the opportunity comes, you already have to be ready for what is coming. And so uh, as we look at this, Let's spend some time and let's talk about this hope that we have and the answer that we should give. And you know what Peter does? Peter goes on and he says that the answer of why I have hope, he says, it's the resurrection. He says, I have hope because of the resurrection. How many of you know that, that people will die, but not, 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 people don't get raised back up unless it's something supernatural that's happened? Unless God's involved in it, uh, there's not a resurrection. And so he says these words. He says that uh, the hope that I have in what I believe is the resurrection. The resurrection. Now, all of us know the story of the resurrection. But can we be, are we prepared to answer if someone asked us, why? 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 And you don't have a lot of time. Why? What is that hope that you have? And so I believe that we should answer the same way that Peter did. The hope that I have in what I believe is the resurrection. And that's it. And, and now, now, why do you believe that? Why do you believe Jesus was raised from the dead? Do you believe it because it's written in the Bible? No. Not just because it's written in the Bible, you believe it, but why would you believe that Jesus was raised from the dead? I'm glad you asked that question. You know, you've been asking me questions lately that are good questions, like, what can we do? And so you asked me that question, and I told you, and you asked me, how does God promote us? I, I answered that question, and, and, and now you're asking me this question, why do we believe Jesus was raised from the dead? Is it because of the Bible says so? No. The reason that we believe as Christians that Jesus was raised from the dead is because there were eyewitnesses. Matthew was an eyewitness. Mark, he spent time with eyewitnesses. Luke investigated the event. And James, the brother of Jesus, believed that Jesus was resurrected. Now, let me ask you this. How many of you could convince your brother or your sister that you are the son of the daughter of God. When there was no evidence earlier, uh, no, 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 no roadmap, James was persuaded that Jesus was the Messiah, the son of God. Now, so, so these eyewitnesses, they, 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 Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they, they say, I know he was crucified. I know he was resurrected. And look at this here. I know it because I had breakfast with him after he was crucified. So I know that he was resurrected. Why? It's because I am an eyewitness. I'm an eyewitness. Now, so we're here today. 
not because Jesus was crucified, but we are here today because of the eyewitnesses that he was raised from the dead. And isn't that good uh, 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 news? Because in the first century, people anchored their hope, uh, and it was not on hearsay, but it was on this very event, the event that Jesus was raised from the dead. And so uh, when people ask you, the question is, why do you believe that Jesus died for your sins and rose from the dead? I don't believe it just because, not only because it's in the Bible, but I believe it. I believe it because there are eyewitnesses. I don't believe it only just because it was in the Bible, but it's better than that. How good is it? How good does it get? One of the interesting things that we can recognize is that we were taught growing up, and I, and I remember and many of us have many different, um, grew up different ways and uh, different faiths and backgrounds. And uh, I remember um, when we were growing up and uh, we had, I grew up Baptist and we had the, that uh, covenant on the wall. And I could, I, man, I would sit in church and I would read that covenant and I could repeat um, that covenant. I would memorize it uh, because the messages during that time was like an hour long hour and a half. We, we started church at 11 o'clock and went to like 1.30, 2 o'clock. So let's go a little bit deeper here as we talk about this because I don't believe, we should, we do not believe, only believe that um, Jesus was resurrected because it's in the Bible only, but we believe it because there were eyewitnesses better than that. So let's take a look here. And uh, as we grew up, most of you, uh, we grew up being told that this is the inerrant word of God. It is true. There's not a mistake in it. It is, it is the word of God. We, we grew up being taught that um, what is in here, it's not contradictory, um, but everything that's written here is true. And the challenge is, is that when we grow up, and many people may say, well, there were three Isaiahs. There were two Tituses. And how could this one... And, and try and confuse what you grew up believing to cause questions as to what you believe. Therefore, uh, th it must be something that is beyond that because the foundation of our faith, um, it has to be uh, supported on something that is not just because of, because it's written in here that I believe it, but but, but I want to show you why this is so important as we prepare uh, to move forward over this next week and as we come next week and begin to celebrate the uh, resurrection of Jesus. Um, as you know, that many of the children that go off and go to college, that they grow up in church, but then when they go away, they might drift from their faith or they may walk away from their faith. And many times what happens is that it's very much that they were told that this is an error word of, the, of God. And when someone questions them and they cannot answer it, then it causes them to doubt what they believe. And so as a result of it, the enemy essentially seeks to destroy the evidence. And do you know what the best way to destroy the evidence of something? The best way is to begin to, to confuse or to distort it when all the eyewitnesses have died. If there are no eyewitnesses, then there can be no testimony of the evidence. And so uh, when we look at this, there was a lady, there's a blog that was written uh, by uh, a lady. And this blog 
It's an interesting blog. It was written by a lady by the name of Jessica Meisner. And she writes this. She says, she writes, why I missed being a born again Christian. And she was a lady who grew up in church very much like ours. And uh, she sang songs. She went to summer camp. And um, she heard many of the things that we hear when we were growing up. But while she was in, in, in college, they began to pick away at what she believed. And so here is uh, one of the statements. She says that, and so she focuses on why I misunderstood or missed out on being a Christian. And she writes this, we evangelicals with our infallible view of scripture hmm, ripped from our hands were left gasping for air. If you crumble and toss out a literal reading of the Bible, then what does it mean to talk about Jesus literally dying for your sin? And so what she was saying was that, that they began to question what we were, what we believed. And because they questioned it and we could not answer what they were saying, then what significance it has in Jesus dying for our sin we can't talk about it because there are questions. And so she took her Bible and she said, like, this is my Bible. This is the infallible, inerrant word of God. I believe what is in here. But then someone came along and they began to pull what she believed apart. And then because they began to pull what she believed apart, her faith was shaken. And so the reason, so important that we believe what we believe is not only because it is in this book. Because what can happen is that people can poke holes in the Bible all day long, and because you don't have an answer for everything, they may ask you, the Bible is still true. Let the church say amen. amen. But our foundation, though, of what we believe can be shaken, even though the Bible is still true. And so it's important to really recognize that uh, I believe that Jesus died for my sin and, 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 was, and rose again, not only because it's written in the Bible, but because it's better than that. Now, here's something that you've never been taught that you may not have heard of, but Christians take the Old Testament seriously, and they, they take the Old Testament seriously simply because Jesus took the Old Testament seriously. Because when Jesus was here, he says that I did not come to do away with the law. He says, but I came to fulfill it. And he talks about a lot of people, several people that are in the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, you look down in Hebrews chapter, chapter 11, we see the word of God talking about it. But Jesus talked about uh, uh, Naaman. He talked about uh, uh, Adam. He talked about those that were in the Old Testament. And when we look at that, then, <clears throat> although Jesus uh, talked about them, and when he talked about them, one of the interesting things is that when people, uh, and she kind of refers to this, is that they would take Genesis, and they would say something about it. And because she could not answer, it would shake her. And then that fiber of her faith began to be pulled apart. But what is our answer? Well, Jesus believed in Adam and Eve. And because I believe in Adam and Eve because Jesus believed in Adam and Eve. You don't have a problem with Jesus, do you? Hmm. See, our goal is to get people quickly to Jesus and to get them there as quickly as possible. 
And so what we only have to do is not explain the entire Bible. We just have to give an account of the hope that we have. And people could say, well, wait a minute now. It doesn't make sense because what you're doing is you're using the Bible to explain itself. You know how it is, is that if you want to define a word, you define a word with that word, which doesn't make sense because you can't define a word with that word. So how can you talk about the Bible being true by explaining it with the Bible? And so, and so we have to understand then that there are several things that we we, we, we got to do because people have an objection at times. And that objection is, well, since the Bible is the source of what Jesus said, aren't we using the Bible to prove the Bible? But no, that's not true. Why? It's because the Bible is simply a book. Uh, and when I say simply, what I mean is that in, in the Latin word, in the Latin, it is a, is a word that came from a, a Greek word, Bible. That's where we get, that's where we got that word Bible from. And before there was a Bible, there was a Hebrew Bible and there were uh, 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 other uh, documents. And so when we look at this particular Bible uh, and, we, and, we, and we look at it, what, what, what this Bible represents is represents documents that were written before there was a Bible. Mm. This Bible includes documents that were written before there was ever this Bible. And so what is in here, we don't, we, 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 we don't take it seriously or rely on it simply because it is in a book. But we take it seriously and we rely on it before there was ever a book. Okay, let me give it to you like this. Those of you that went to school, um, you had short stories. And uh, you, you would have to go buy a book. And uh, you would have to go buy a book. And the book that you had to go buy it would have three or four short stories in it. And you would buy an entire book just to go over three or four short stories. Now, let me ask you this. Would you say that these stories are great because they're in the book? No, that doesn't make any sense. The reason that these stories are in the book is because they were great before the book was ever written. Mm, let, me get, let me say that again. I may have to get you to stand up so that in a short story book, the books, the, the stories that are in there, the book doesn't make the stories great. The stories were great before there was ever a book. And the reason that the stories are in the book is because they are great stories that were pulled together in to be placed in that book. Therefore, the books that are in here, that they were great before there was ever a Bible. And the reason that these books are in the Bible is because they were great, and because they were great, because they were reliable, because they were written by eyewitnesses. Okay? So we look at this and we say, gosh, look at this, look at this. What is the Bible? It's just a assimilation of books. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And then we look here and we stand out, and these are the ones that are significant to us, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These represents, represent the gospel. And so Christians don't believe that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are reliable just because they're in the Bible. But we believe that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are in the Bible because they are reliable. And when we begin to uh, recognize that, then these four gospels are short stories, <laughs> and they are reliable and we take them seriously because of when they were written and who wrote them. Why do we take Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Why do we take this? 
we take this, and I want to show you just very quickly here, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We take them seriously and we rely on them because of when they were written and who wrote them. Let me share, you, share this with you. I want to introduce you to a date that is a, one of the most important dates in Christianity, are two Christians, and uh, that date is 70 AD. 70 AD. <laughs> See, something happened that we typically don't study about. In 70 AD, it was in the middle of the first Jewish war. And it started out as a regional uh, uh, games that were terrorizing the Roman citizens. And so Roman, Rome, the Rome got tired of that. And when Rome got tired of it, they sent their army in. And so these gangs left and they went to Jerusalem. They stormed Jerusalem. And, uh, and, and so Rome literally at that time surrendered the city of Jerusalem to them. So these gangs were inside the walls and they were terrorizing in Roman citizens. And uh, as they were inside these walls, there was so much chaos. Can you imagine that gang, different types of gangs, and they were fighting against one another. But then at times they would come together and they would fight against the Roman citizens. Now, this went on for quite some time. And so uh, Rome got tired of this. And uh, what they did is that they, 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 they brought Titus in to get rid of these gangs. And when they brought Titus in to get rid of these gangs, this war now went on for about four years. And one, at one point, Titus got so angry that they, and they couldn't get into the city. They couldn't overcome these gangs. But Titus got so angry that they would just go around the city. And whenever they saw a Jew, that they would kill those Jews all around the city. Josephus says that in one day, they killed so many Jews, and he began to talk about 50,000 Jews that they killed in one day. Now, Josephus uh, was, a, was a friend of Titus. Josephus was du lived during that time, and he began to write. He's a historian about the Jews, and he began to write about them. And so finally, in 70 AD, Titus and his people, they broke through the wall, and they began to overtake the game. And when they stormed through these walls, what happened was that they destroyed the temple at Jerusalem. 70 AD, 66 AD, four years they're fighting and they got tired of it. And so when they broke in, uh, they destroyed the, the temple. They were so angry, so mad, and they destroyed the temple. And there was so much bloodshed. I mean, how do you know, you know like when, you, when you're fighting somebody? And it seemed like you're not making much progress. But boy, you, you know, the Bible says we are to be self-controlled. But you can get so upset that you'll go beyond what's actually reasonable to, to, to do what needs to be done. And so they were upset. And, and, and so when they broke through the wall, Josephus says it like this. This is how he writes about it. He says, the slaughter. Come on, you, you can read that. Come on, read that with me so that we can uh, see this together now. The slaughter within was even more dreadful than the spectacle from without men and women, old and young, insurgents and priests, those who fought and those who entreated mercy were hewn down in indiscriminate, indiscriminate carnage. <laughs> Come on, look at this next one. The legionnaires had to clamp over heaps of dead to carry the work of extermination. So Josephus wrote this, <laughs> and, and, and Josephus says that there were 
almost a million people killed. And others say that he just exaggerated that it was about 300,000 that were killed. And so, now, let me ask you this. I, I know you're wondering, you're, you're, you're wondering, you know, well, why would I tell you this sad story? When Titus came in, he destroyed the temple. And when he destroyed the temple, to honor Titus after he had died, something happened. <laughs> Look at this. They put up an arch. And when you go to Rome, one of the uh, uh, prominent places in Rome is this arch. And this arch was put there in memory and in honor of Titus and all the things that he had done to free the gangs or to get rid of the gangs that were harassing the Roman citizens. And they put this up. So when you go to Rome, make sure you go to this arch. But then when you get on the inside of it, notice what happens and you look up. What you will see is you would see this, this uh, in that arch. And what, what happened is that when they went in and they began to destroy the temple, they started taking stuff out that, was, that were meaningful to the Jews. They took out a menorah. They took out some of their scrolls. They took out things that they valued and they destroyed the temple. Even to this day, you can see where the temple was destroyed and it has not been rebuilt, even to this day. Now, what's interesting though is that as they put this up to honor Titus. And as they carried away this, these significant pieces, 300,000 people killed. What does that, what does all of that have to do with this? Why would I tell you such a sad story? It's because of this. Nowhere in the New Testament is the destruction of the temple mentioned. Nowhere in the New Testament, not in Matthew, not in Mark, not in Luke, not in John, not in any of the uh, writings of Paul, Nowhere in the New Testament is it, is, it, is it mentioned. You know why? Is that the amazing thing is that Jesus was crucified around 32 AD and the destruction of the temple happened around 70 AD. And, one, and the reason that it was not included in the New Testament is because it had not happened yet. The temple had not been destroyed yet. And so what happens then is that we can look at this and, and, and what we have in the New Testament were written before the destruction of the temple. And that's why it is not written in the New Testament. And so we can consider the, 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 the gospels reliable, incredible. Why? It's because who wrote it and when it was written. And if you were Matthew, come think about this. If you were Matthew, if you were Mark, if you were Luke, and if you were John, and you wanted to convince someone as an eyewitness and an evidence, I mean, you could have said, you, you would have elaborated your story and said, you know what? The temple was destroyed, and you would write about it because just as Jesus, if you wanted to give evidence of why Jesus uh, should be relied upon, why we, was, was he resurrected, if you wanted to give evidence of that, you would have this story in there because you'll talk about, you know what, just as Jesus said, that that temple will be destroyed, and it was destroyed. You would begin to write stories about the temple being destroyed, but it's nowhere mentioned in the New Testament. Jesus died around 32 AD, and so we can see that like 38 years later, this temple is destroyed. It's not mentioned in the New Testament at all. And so what we can do then is we can recognize that they could have leveraged so many ways the story, but Peter writes that there's one reason I have this hope, and the reason that I have this hope is because of the resurrection. Why? Because I know he was crucified. 
I know he was buried. I know he was resurrected. And I had breakfast with him after he was raised from the dead. And when we look at that today, church, one of the things that we recognize here is that there's great credibility in this Bible. And the best way to change a story, the best way to get rid of anything or to distort anything that has gone, has taken place in the world, is that you do it when all the eyewitnesses are dead. And what you try to do is you will try to destroy the evidence so you can change the narrative of the story. But just as that narrative was not able to be changed, why? It's because down through the years, there were eyewitnesses and the story was was told. And then there were more eyewitnesses and the story was told. And then our own personal testimony that says that I know he died. I know he rose again. Not only because it's written in the Bible, but because there were eyewitnesses. And that I've got a testimony myself that I know my Redeemer lives.